This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Gavin Von Vlack, the founder, creator, head coach of Physical Culture Collective, Diamond Heart Muay Thai, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Before I get into that conversation, just wanted to check in with you, see how you're doing, and give you a little heads up on what I've been up to, um, how I'm doing. Um, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm probably doing similar to a lot of you. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, some days I'm feeling optimistic and up, and other days I am like, what the hell is going on? And this is life right now. Um, but I'm trying to stay on the positive and trying to stay constructive. I've been busy writing. I wrote a new play or a draft of a play. Really excited about. Deals with the multiverse and different realities and our identity um, within those. And yeah, so um, that's that. I'm working on shifting over to doing online interviews. This is actually the last in-person interview that I've had in the can. So I've kind of been dragging my feet on releasing it because I have to do online interviews after that, and I didn't want to before. However, this is a good opportunity. There are people who have reached out to me uh, to be on the podcast before who I didn't weren't able to do it because I didn't want to do online interviews and so now there's an opportunity to talk with people who I wouldn't be able to otherwise so that's just how we have to look at this um this isn't happening to us this is maybe happening for us and just thinking like that um in the meantime also somebody reached out with uh this person was doing something really generous just random acts of generosity so I'm going to try to do something like this and so she asked if there's a way that she could support the podcast. And I've been seeing a lot of people set up Patreons and have thought about that. So I went ahead and set up a Patreon. So that is brand new. And if you want to support that, the links for that will be in the show notes as well. And yeah, that would be, I think, a cool way to just build community in another way. Um, so that's what I've been up to. Like I said, this is the last in-person conversation that I have that's going to come out. Um, going to head into uncharted territory after this. But I'm excited. It's an opportunity to experiment. So I joined Physical Culture Collective nine months ago. Um, if you remember, I had Justin Troy on here a while back, and he was the head coach of the Muay Thai program at a gym I used to train at in Bushwick, which unfortunately closed down. So I've been super happy and was very glad. I ran into one of my former sparring partners who was training at Physical Culture Collective here in Bushwick, um, also close to my house. And so I signed up pretty immediately after discovering them. And I've been very happy. Um, great, great training program, great community. So check it out. The links will be in the show notes. Um, there's also online offerings happening right now. So check them out you're looking for you know a way to kickstart your mind and body i highly recommend this jam so without further ado this is gavin von vlack physical culture collective diamond heart muay thai 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Let's have a conversation. Get it rolling. Sure, let's go. Uh, Gavin, uh, what's your what's your last name? Gavin Van Vlack. Oh, yeah. I just saw that, actually, yeah. and forgot. Um, but, uh, yeah, you are the owner, founder. Um, owner, head coach, and curator of uh, Physical Culture Collective, Diamond Heart Martial Arts. Um, the Diamond Heart Martial Arts is a recent thing. I wanted to call the fight team originally Diamond Heart, um, which was a kind of a somewhat of a separate entity from the whole PCC concept. The Physical Culture Collective concept is uh, kind of like, a, I don't want to say an all-in-one gym, but the idea of uh, physical culture is, it's it's not new at all. It's, uh, I mean, for God's sake, it's way pre-barbell. Um it dates back to let's like let's say like the strongmen like Eugene Sandow and people like that where it was you know it was more along the lines of the wellness um, the wellness community and it's funny because there was been a there was a big disconnect I would say from the seventies to the eighties of like where if you were an active person you were instantly a jock and it was very anti intellectualized and uh, wherefore if you were you know an intellectual you couldn't be athletic which was to me it's it defeats the purpose of us trying to be whole human beings what we have the actual potential to be as people um and uh it's it's weird because it's something that just came up recently which i really want to you know, I want to chime in on him because it's like, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's the show, the, the Biggest Loser, mm-hmm. which I think is probably one of the biggest disservices to the fitness community that has ever been created. Um, I'll probably get a lot of blowback from this too, which is, I'm, I'm totally good with that. I don't care. I've lived in controversy my whole life. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Coach Mike Boyle, who's like someone who I, really respect he said in the original rendition of it, he's like that you can learn something from everything and what i've learned from that show is that it's really really difficult to kill a fat person um and the things that they i see them doing and i'm not alone in this uh, that i see them doing i think are deleterious and i think what's happening is that because it's on such a big stage people are seeing it on tv and they're like oh god you know it it, it keeps people glued to the couch uh-huh because we've become this such an extreme I mean we're, we're an extreme culture in everything from like politics to diet to you know ideals and it's that we have to like oh well you know you have to attack you know being out of shape you know viciously like you know like it's like it's life or death and part of that is true it is life or death but in my opinion we were born perfect we were born the way we we should be and over a period of time through really crappy diet and sedentary lifestyles we devolve and we lose that and we can't expect to you know like oh well you know a 30-day crash diet and exercise program and i'm going to take off you know an exorbitant amount of weight and we we have these expectations that are just way too high of ourselves and where i think what it is is like i'm getting back to what i talked about the physical culture thing is to make it you make it an everyday thing something that you do on a daily basis and it's not like oh yeah i train hard every day no no you know you could you could train smart four days a week and then how about like a day of yoga and a day going out and hiking with your your significant other or family or you know like every day like uh there's there's a youtube 
uh, person named Alan Roberts who I love. And it's like, it's, people say, oh, it's because he's a big bald guy. No, it's, he makes a lot of sense. And it's, this again also is that whole like, oh, because you know, all of his detractors are like, you're a big, angry, da, da, da. I look at where he comes from with a lot of love because he doesn't want to see people hurt and he doesn't want to see people in pain. And he's very passionate about how he goes about it. And he's been attacked by people like Tess Holiday, by people like Steve Cook, um, because, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're fat phobic. And, and to a degree, here's the thing. Do I believe that all women should be, oh, all women should be 110 pounds and, you know, size zero? No, that's fucking uncalled for. But there's no reason that we can't be healthy. Mm-hmm. I think people come in all fucking sizes. Yeah. You know, and we, we see that, we see that every day at, at PCC. I mean, you're there on a regular basis. You, you see your training partners change on a day to day basis. You know, it's a different bodies. And that's the great thing about martial arts is like you get with different bodies and you get different adaptations and different stimulus. And, um, you know, and that's, I think something, a big thing, a lot of people don't realize. And I think gets revealed quickly in martial arts sometimes is like <laughs> the person with the cosmetic, like that looks strong sometimes yeah. is not as strong as the person sometimes that maybe doesn't have the six pack abs. They can actually oh, be in yeah. really good shape. Um, oh God. Who, uh, I think it's Samuel Young is, uh, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, he's a Chinese, he's a Chinese, Chinese film stunt man. He's one of Jackie Chan's regular go-to guys. And Jackie Chan said about him, he looks like an elephant, but he moves like a monkey. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's, you know, I, I've seen guys are like that, you know, yeah, they're, they're carrying, they're, they don't have a six pack or they don't have like bulging biceps, but that stuff, that stuff really does not to me equate to, um, athletic ability. Right. Um, I had a discussion the other day with a jujitsu, uh, competitor that works out with us, that trains with us. And they're talking about like the weight cut and this person who is already really lean and very athletic. And they're like, well, you know, if I have to cut down to this weight division, then I'll be at a, you know, when in my, and again, this is in my opinion, in my opinion, when you get down it deep into the single digits of body fat percentage, you're getting less and less and less to an athletic mm-hmm. now, not an aesthetic, but an athletic performance level right because the body needs fat to perform our neural system is myelinated in fat we need it's a fuel source there's so our our brain is made up of made up of cholesterol you know and which is fat so it's um and i think that the 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 fat phobic thing where you see people oh you're fat phobic i'm i'm just don't I know what it's like when I, you know, like I, I walk around now at like 220 pounds and like when I was really chasing after like lifting heavy weights and deadlifting and stuff like that, I was at 250 and my joints hurt mm-hmm. and I know what that's like, that pain. It's like learning to, and I think it's something I learned through combat sports is to be able to tolerate pain on a regular basis, Yeah, but that's not a good thing. We shouldn't have to do that. Like, Oh, that's just the pain that I have. And, you know, thinking that, Oh, well that's just what it is. And I can't do anything about it, which isn't true. There's always things you can do about it. Um, one of the articles I just came across, I just sent out to you, which I was, I find really cool articles and I'll send them out to our members. And there's something about training the feet, which we neglect the fact of, that we spend most of our days on our feet in, you know, shoes that really may, might not fit us well or, you know, 
posturally we've just developed little um, idiosyncrasies in our in our posture that our feet don't sit well, and we and we wonder why we hurt all over, and it's because our base, which is our feet, isn't set right and it's not strong. You know, if you if you're trying to build a house and you you know you lay down you lay down a, a slab that's you know, made out of like peat moss and, and sawdust, your house is going to collapse. Yeah. You know, if we don't have strong feet, strong and mobile feet, then everything else. Um, there's a coach by the name of Gray Cook. It said something, and I, I, I use this, this term a lot. It's like the human joints system is a lot like a trailer park. And I, 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 I kind of hover to this because I grew up, I'm a country kid and it's a lot like a trailer park. You know, one bad neighbor can fuck up the whole neighborhood. And, you know, you'll find, I'll find people that are getting knee pain and they, oh, my knee is fucked up. And a lot of times it, it radiates from the foot. Um, I bartend and, you know, getting older, mm-hmm. like I'm 40s coming up, I got a year and a half actually. Yeah. And it's, um, which is part of the reason, like I came, martial arts have been in and out of my life for a long time, but this period yeah. is the longest I've stuck with it. Yeah. Um, and basically yeah it was like three years ago around the time i got married i was a little bit uh out of shape mm-hmm. carrying more weight than i needed to and noticing the joints and stuff like that yeah um but now like i'm i've lost a lot of the weight and i'm training consistently but i'm still bartending and it's starting to take a toll and i notice actually sometimes in the morning Mm-hmm. the feet like i'm kind of hobbling like bartending old bar, bartending ergonomics are something real crazy yeah um i i mean i come from i come from the nightclub background yep. so i know and it's like i kind of got into this at a certain i learned certain tricks of the trade like being able to put your foot up on a on a milk crate at your stick and being able to set up everything so you're not moving a lot mm. and you're not hunched over your ice bin and just certain things within ergonomics it's funny because there's a there's there's a body worker who lives in this neighborhood. I I, I make a point to like like l- search people out, um, and this this woman Anastasia Frankel who's a body worker and she's amazing. And she came in the other day. And I have a semi private, which just by coincidence is all hairdressers and bartenders, which they all work in those positions and yeah. they work with their hands. And uh, she did like 15 minutes of just activation work on their wrist and elbows on the mats, and they were all like. Oh my God. It's just, there's such, there, there are remedies for these things, but we, the thing is we can't think about it. it has to be like, Oh, well, why can't it's like, it's not take a pill remedy, right? You have to get on a program. There's a, there's, there's a terminology that gets lost a lot and it's progressive overload. You know, when you're strength training of like progressive, meaning you, if you go up, if you go up a quarter pound, and it really, it's it's hard. You, this is just arbitrarily speaking. If you go up a quarter pound on a certain lift every week, at the end of the year, you've that's a substantial amount, mm-hmm. you know. And the thing is, just going in and diligently, um, doing it and going th- going going through your training sessions, so on and so forth. Um, Coach Coach Mark Sayers says it best: consistency beats intensity. You know, and uh, he works with a lot of people in the corporate sector. And he's really, really, I mean, he's one of these guys. He's also, you know, he's a martial artist. He's fought in Thailand. He's done, he's been in the military. He's a guy who's lived life on some very extreme platforms. And uh, he, him and uh, him and his, his, his partner, both of them, like she's a competitive, strong person. And I see the amount of like 
um, corrective strategies that they do so they can do the things that they want to do. And um, the way that I draw it akin to, especially when you're dealing, you know, this is getting away from the person who's just getting off the couch. The person who's getting off the couch, what I say is do something. Right. Do something, you know. The reason that we set up PCC the way it is is because I, I'm like, we're, we have Muay Thai and we have Jiu Jitsu, which people look at it, it's, it's, oh, it's, you know, it's combat sports and it's fighting art. In all actuality, it's skill-based play that can be used for self-defense or sport. And that's something that, um, I'm going to be name-dropping coaches straight across the ball here, okay? Uh, John Hines from Mon Monkey Bar Gym said, you know, it's like we need to get things back more on the playground. Um, and this, John Hines, uh, Jason C. Brown, who's another coach who's about this too, is like getting, you know, get getting it, you know, getting it off the machines and getting it so it's more right. crawling patterns and working on hand balancing and, you know, things like that, which are, you know, like those are our, those are our baby movements. Those are the things we did, like, you know, like when we could walk, it's like before we could walk, we could crawl, you know, and that was how we locomoted. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just little steps of progression. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with, with the person who's just getting off the couch. You know, it's like I said, if you can only get like, you know, I'm holding my fingers about an eighth of an inch apart right now. If you can get that much better every day, you go into the gym. You know, that's that quarter pound. At the end of the year, you're a lot better. But you have to be patient with yourself. You have to be, you have to show yourself a lot of self-love. You have to approach yourself with a lot of kindness. You know, because I know coming in, people beat themselves up mentally. You know, I jokingly call like, you know, the radio station in my head, WK fucked, you know, because it's constantly just like telling me the worst things about myself. And I'm, I'm not alone in that. No. I know there's tons of people out there that have the same thing. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an old, I'm an old, I hate to say old though, cause I'm 52 years old. I don't feel old, but I'm an old skate punk, you know, and I will always be a punk rock kid. Always. That's just, that's who I am. That's the major thing in my life. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that gravitated kids to hardcore and punk was that feeling less than and finding a group of people that were like minded that, hey, I'm not that much of a fucking, you know, weirdo. Um, and I think it kind of shows, too, with PCC, because the gym that we have, we have such a cross section of people, you know, and I really love that. It's really we've done a lot to really curate and develop that and, you know, make it so it's all inclusive and people people hear it and, you know, they come in and see it and they're like. Oh yeah, I, I I could I could do this. That's what we want, you know. I kind of come to it. It's interesting the idea of physical culture collective, and then we didn't get into Diamond Heart, but I kind of come. We got into it a little mm -hmm. bit, but I kind of come from both because, like, w around the time I was turning thirty, I started to realize all of a sudden that yoga that I never liked before. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's exactly what I need, mm -hmm. um, and then. Now it's like the same thing. Like I used to do more weights and stuff like that. I yeah. haven't really been doing that at all lately. I've just been coming and training yeah. and really feeling really good with that. And basically, yeah, where I come at it now is like, I do like the fighting aspect also. Yeah. And I'm interested in sparring also. But at this point, my goals are... Like, basically, I want to be in fighting shape. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not really trying to be a professional fighter. Yeah. Um, you know, sparring and training people, maybe someday coaching, like, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. 
or from my background, actually, it's like uh, maybe playing a fighter or playing a, a coach. Yeah. Like, and understanding the choreography. Mm-hmm. And yeah, understand, yeah, absolutely. Everybody can gain something from it, which is what's what I think is really cool. And that's the thing. One of the things, too, is that like uh, with PCC, we, I don't require people, people are like, oh, do I have to fight? And like, no, it's. You know, for some people going through the class, that's a challenge enough for them. Everybody has their level of challenge. It's a very special animal animal that says like, oh, okay, getting kicked and, you know, evading punches and possibly getting, you know, getting hit in the face is that's acceptable play. Everybody has their level. Everybody has their level. And I'm not going to take someone, you know, and I've seen it in martial arts gyms. Where like, oh, you got to put them into the deep water. Nine times out of 10, if you throw someone in deep water, they'll survive. We're very, very resilient animals. But nine times out of 10, very seldom will that person do th- anything that will challenge themselves. And therefore, what you're doing when you think you're expanding somebody by putting them into deep water, actually, you're closing that box down. Because the person has to come to that realization themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and they have to be warm. They, that that deep water has to be earned in a way, you know. You have to have the skills to be able to survive in the deep water. You can't just take someone and throw them in. It's just not. Yeah, you know, I, I I was kind of thrown in that way, and it's it took me a lot to to retrain myself to get out of that. Not so much of the jujitsu aspect. My jujitsu journey so to speak, has been really, really, really pleasant. It's been really fun. I competed for a while. I competed in judo. I had nothing but fun. But Muay Thai, and this isn't because, oh, I had bad coaching. It's because I came in with a totally preconceived notion of what what Muay Thai was. I came in with a very, very, you know, Americanized, like, idea of, like, oh, it's this hard sport, and they're bashing their shins together, and every strike is, you know, I try to train people to be as little as I was when I first started out and let them to understand try to get them to understand the subtleties and the nuances of it. And, you know, the finesse points as opposed to, you know, it's this brutal sport. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It is a brutal sport. There's a, a, a coach that, uh, a coach that I follow and I, I, I work, work with, um, one of his athletes just literally, um, broke a guy's jaw and his ocular bone. And at the same time, broke his own foot. So yeah, this, this on a competitive level, this this stuff gets really, really hairy. But it doesn't have to be that way, you know. Um, you can like to go out for a bike ride. You don't have to do the Tour de France, right? You know, it's uh, um, so it's you know that's and I try to get people to realize that because I don't I. This is what I can offer as a playground. And if this isn't the playground for you, there needs to, you need to find one. I mean, there's rock climbing gyms and there's running clubs and there's, you know, gymnastics, you know, Strebs has a great entry level adults gymnastics program, but we need to get somewhere between childhood and adulthood. We lost contact with the playground. Let it be through like we got bullied off or we just forgot it because we got so obsessed with other things, chasing other things in life. But somewhere along that line, we turn, turn, we look like, Oh my God, I'm carrying like 30 extra pounds. My joints hurt. Um, I have high blood pressure. I don't feel you know, my sex life is horrible. I don't have a social life. I don't have, you know, it's like all these things that really make us up as human beings that we've uh, lack of a better word betrayed in a way. Um, in a chase for, let's say, success or money or blah, 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 these things that we're told that we need to have to be acceptable 
and accepted. Um, and I know this sounds like a really like I'm trying to be some kind of, I'm, let me just open this up with a, I'm not that smart. I've learned from really, really fucking great people and I've learned from mistakes of the learning variety. Um, so, oh, wow, that's really good. Um, so it's, you know, I, and I don't, I don't profess to be any kind of fucking guru. I'm not looking to have followers. Um, I'm, I'm looking to never be the smartest guy in the room because if you are, the room's too small. I'm looking to try to put myself around people that are, that can expand my patterns of thought. I think that that's, that's something else I really love about martial arts for anybody. Like Joe Rogan talks about it sometimes. Different people have heard talk about this, yeah. but like it's good. Well, one, I do think because of, especially like, I mean, there's different martial arts, but definitely Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, yeah. the type of movement you were talking about earlier that you want to have if you want to be a long living, um, human being mm-hmm. with a functional quality of life, like yeah. being able to get up and get down off the ground and crawl and all of those things like martial arts has it incorporated in mm-hmm. the training. Um, but also, uh, it's, you get used to it. Like when you go consistently, but even if you're working on fundamentals for a day and maybe you're working on some more advanced stuff, like in some of the more advanced classes, you can still work hard on the fundament. Like it all comes back to the mm-hmm. fundamentals and kind of having learning to have, uh, even as you learn things, even as you grow, you can always, you can always work on something and you can always learn something, Yeah, you know? And I think well, that, I think what it is, it's like in, in like say in these two modalities of martial arts where you take like a Nikki Holston or, um, or, I'm trying to think like a Buakau or any of those high level fighters, um, Rico Van Oven, uh, Badari, any of those high level. The thing that makes those guys so good is their firm grip on the fundamentals. And that's the same thing with jujitsu. If you look at Marcelo Garcia, um, is this firm, the things that allowed him to get outside the box in the way that he did with creation of like the X guard and so on and so forth. Or like say, I mean, I know he comes under a lot of fire, Eddie Bravo, um, is that they have a really firm grip on the fundamentals, you know, and it always kind of relates back to that. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, that's why it's, you know, like when I, when I, when I train you guys, when I work with you guys, I'm telling you, I'll tell you all the time. It's like, you know, 75% is perfectly adequate. You know, especially for the people who are looking to compete, because I'm not looking to have someone go 100% in the gym. You can't go 100% in training and expect to deliver 100% when you need to perform. Because what it is, and I've learned this from coaches like Joel Jameson, it's you have to train your your systems, your skill systems, your energy systems all separately, so that you can put them together, so that the machine works combined at that. You know, that's why I'm not a fan of hard sparring. I've done. I've done hard sparring before and I've, I've had it, I've had it in fight my own fight camps and it just, it, the, the, there's just so little bang for the buck on that for lack of a better, better term. Um, and I've been in fight camps in training where you're going into sparring. You knew someone was going to get knocked out, 
You knew right. it, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, and I know to a lot of guys that appeals, but that's not what this is about for the, in the long range. And if you look at the smarter fighters and the people who are going to have longer, longer careers now, they're training so much smarter. You know, you see it in MMA, you see it in jiu-jitsu, you see it in Muay Thai. Um, and it's funny because this is stuff that like track coaches have known for a long time. Um, I, t- I talked with, I mean, we're talking with like Martin Rooney about training track athletes. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, if I, if I ran my athletes 100% every time, then they'd never make it to the track. Um, and it's, you know, even if you think about running, running is, you know, it's about speed, but speed is a technique and there's a certain amount of relaxation and there's this on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off that you have to be able to neurologically fire. And that takes a lot of skill, you know, and it's the same thing. Any kind of athletic endeavor requires a skill set. It's not just brute strength or, you know, muscling it through and mm-hmm. muscle really becomes muscle is muscle is catch up muscle is just an it's a it's a it's a sup it's a supplement it's a condiment um if you have two you know the great thing about martial arts is that a smaller martial art artist who is apt at his skills can defeat and basically you know over it can take someone who is stronger than them or bigger than them but when you get two martial artists who are the same skill level Stronger martial artist definitely has the advantage. Right. You know, so that's where strength plays into this. And, you know, we get a lot. I got a lot of that for a long time working with martial artists. Where, oh, I, I just I just want to do this. And they were wondering why they were getting beaten. And it was usually be by people who were stronger and had better endurance. Because fatigue makes cowards of us all. Oh, yeah. You know. You know, but we always, you know. Not to offend any vegans, we always want to eat the meat. We don't want to pay attention to the vegetables. And a lot of it is the vegetables. A lot of it is the energy systems work for corrective strategies. Um, the stuff that, you know, you, you're like, what does this have to do with me punching someone in the face or kicking someone in the leg or choking someone out? And all actuality, it has a lot to do with it. You can, you know, back to a bike riding analogy. You can ride, you want to ride across the country on a bike, fine. But you're going to have to stop at true the spokes. Check your tire pressure, adjust your handlebars, and that's the human body, you know, just through wear and tear. We, you know, and daily, just daily repetitive patterns, we get into, you know, forward, forward, you know, forward head position, forward shoulder position, uh, upper cross syndrome, things like that. And, uh, you know, I know it's like everything I'm talking about is really high minded and, and I don't want to say it's high minded, but it sounds really nerdy because it is. But this is the human body. We don't have, we, we aren't born and given a manual for it. And we're kind of like, oh, this is what it is. And this is just, you know, anything that happens to it, well, tough fucking luck. And I think it's sad when we could prevent being in pain and we could, we could prevent a lot of things that are, that happen because of our lack of movement. I think a lot of depression can be cured by movement. Oh, yeah. You know, um, that's like I think another big thing is you were talking before about the into like back in the day, um, if you were an intellectual, you couldn't be a jock and vice versa. <laughs> um, now I think there's a lot of attention being ta- paid to mental health mm-hmm. and how 
yeah, physical health and mental health We're go physical hand beings. to hand. Yes, absolutely. It's all tied in, you know, and I tell this constantly. I tell you, we have a, we have a kid who just joined, and I think everyone, I call everyone a kid. It's kind of, I, I should be better about that, but, and, uh, he felt he's fallen in love with jujitsu, but you know, he's like anybody who falls in love with something, you know, they want to know everything about it. And I just, the, the same answer to him all the time, just train, just train, you know? Oh, but I feel weak. I'm like, well, that's because your brain doesn't understand what you're doing. You know, you have muscle, but muscle is really just dumb meat that is innervated and it doesn't have the organizational skills yet to be able to, you know, have the positional strength that is required in jujitsu. Um, and, you know, when you're talking to someone who doesn't get that, they look at you like you have two heads and you're talking about a Pegasus. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, this is, this is just the science of the body. I mean, and I, I think I have to sometimes pull myself back and like, they don't need to have all this information, you know? And that's why I tell people just train, mm-hmm. just train. When something comes up, let's look at it. Okay. Let's correct this. Jiu-jitsu is a trip, though, because I, I just remember, and now it's because I took some time off and I've been more focused on Muay Thai. I want to mm-hmm. come back to it, but I remember when I first started training in jiu-jitsu and same thing, trying to understand these concepts, seeing mm-hmm. them, not really understanding them, but then a few months in, all of a sudden knowing how, like just yeah, physically knowing how to do something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but it's... I, I do want to get back into that training also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny at the school though, people who are like, I don't know if they have some people, I think, you know, this might be their first martial arts experience. And so either a lot of them either do jujitsu or Muay we've had a lot of people start double dipping. Oh, recently, a lot of like, like, I think what happened was that 1230, that 1230 jujitsu class that coach Brianna Myers teaches when we, cause there used to be a Muay Thai class there. And mm-hmm. we we're like, no, we got two Muay Thai classes stacked back to back. Let's consolidate to the 1130. And at that point, Brianna Myers, who's, she's a brown belt under Josh, uh, Josh Griffiths, who is this, our sensei at clockwork jujitsu, um, and she had come to me and asked about doing a women's class. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'd love to do that. Let's 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 make it happen. And I watched her. She'd get a couple of ladies who'd come in. And I would watch her teach. And her teaching methodology is so fucking good. And I was like, wow, she's just amazing the way that she describes it. And the way that she makes it fun and makes it so it's like, you know, um, it makes so much sense. And I was like, I need to get her in front of more bodies. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching the 1230 class and I was kind of like, well, I could, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I like to, I like to kind of get my coaches more exposure. Yeah. You know, because right now, like my, I have limited amount of time that I can use for personal training. And my coaches right now have learned how to, how to basically, you know, show themselves as like, this is a value. And if you want to work with me one-on-one, we can book that. So on and so forth. So, um, one of our other coaches, Sinclair, who teaches, he's he's also a double dipper. He teaches mm-hmm. a blue belt in jujitsu, and he teaches Muay Thai. He's, I was you know, there yeah. when he got his uh, yeah. belt. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's just uh, he teaches the eleven thirty class, which is great, super popular, and a lot of people will come out of that class and come straight into the jujitsu class. But when we first moved it, people were showing up for the Muay Thai class, and I was like, just go grab a loner gi and jump in. 
And they're like, oh my God, either they were like, I forgot how much I love jujitsu or like, wow, I really love jujitsu. So now they're doing both. And I really like that because I think it's taking advantage of everything that the facility has to offer. You know, we've got an amazing jujitsu program. Our Muay Thai program is, I really love what we're doing with our Muay Thai program. Um, You know, and it's the, it's what we've envisioned doing for years now, like, and it's really coming to fruition. I'm glad Um, to hear that because, yeah, when I talked to some people before, it's like, oh, do you try the other one? Because me, it's my schedule and what I can fit in. Um, And also, I've just been dragging my feet on jujitsu a little bit because it's challenging and it's frustrating when you like the learning curve. You don't lose everything if you stop, but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But uh, yeah, some people who hadn't done the other kind of like, oh, no, like I'm not ready. And it's like. I understand, but I do think of any two martial arts, like they're so different. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so different. It's not that you're going to learn bad habits from the other. Cause it's like you, for some reason, like in sparring in Muay Thai people, because I had some jujitsu, they'd be like, Oh, you do jujitsu. And it's like, I mean, I'm a white belt, but yeah, yeah, but there are things that carry over. Yeah. I think a lot of this too, is it comes from, or like Muay Thai coaches, oh, you can't do them both. Because Muay Thai coaches are afraid of losing students. They're, they're like, they're afraid, oh, I don't want them to do that because they'll like jujitsu. And like then work with, a, with, work with a jujitsu instructor who can feed you students as well too. And that way everybody friggin' wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole way we set up PCC is with, you know, with, you know, Sandy Nunez, who's our, our sensei. You know, it's like he, you know, and it's funny because like Brianna Myers has started taking Muay Thai now. She started, she started, nice. training, she started doing uh, privates with, uh, with coach Hugo Lin and, uh, it, and she's getting better and better. And she's like, she's like, she's starting to understand how to apply force now through Muay Thai because her jujitsu is very, very smooth, subtle. It's not, it's not force. It's not like brutish jujitsu but now and i've seen a couple times because we'll roll like once or twice a week and i'll see like she'll apply pressure in a way with speed where it's like oh you the muay thai is definitely Mm -hmm. you've learned how to engage differently which is really kind of cool um i hope i'm not just nerding people into into sleep with this but it you know that's i mean even our coaches like put themselves in the position of being the student, you know, and that's how I always, you know, I, I have to, I have to approach everything from a beginner's mindset, you know, and that gets into the whole idea of like diamond heart, diamond heart. When you've achieved if, if diamond heart is a Buddhist concept. And I'm like, and again, I'm not being like, Oh, I'm a Buddhist. I'm a practicing Buddhist, which means I don't have it down. Um, and being at you know attaining diamond heart is when you're at the point where you're ready to teach and i kind of believe as human animals we're we can learn from everybody Mm -hmm. and what i like about the way that we what martial arts schools tend to do is like because you're you're working with partners a lot everyone there's there's uh there's there's a coach student role that's constantly played back and forth and reversed and this gets into like um there's a, a movement specialist named Frank Forensic from the Pacific Northwest. There's a book called uh, Exuberant Animal. And uh, it's about that play-based skill kind of training where 
you know, one person is playing is the coach and one person is a student and that plays within, you know, within a, a one minute round that can turn several times back and forth. And that's one of the cool things about what I think martial arts, let alone the community, is it puts people into that position where if I'm always kind of being like, well, I'm the teacher, I'm, you know, like, and trying to strong arm that point, um, it makes it very, very uh, one dimensional, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like I always tell, I always tell people what I try to teach is templates. You know, I teach these are these, these, these combination progressions or templates gradually as you know martial arts and it says in the word it's an art everybody expresses art differently gradually people are going to find things that resonate within them you know i come from a, i come from a musical scene where i tended to always stay away from things that sounded too homogenous and too much like this and like i i really enjoy being around my friends who are into different things and you know, listen to different styles of music and bring that into, you know, what we do. Um, one of one of the people, it's like uh, I was hanging out with him last. I went to go see Refuse last night with uh, with they uh, they played at Brooklyn Steel with uh, Youth Code. It was the first time I ever seen Youth Code. It was amazing. I'd heard so much about them for years and. Um, Dennis, Dennis from Refuse was like, you got to show up early to see Youth Code. And I didn't know that they were playing. And it was like, whoa. And I got there and it just blew me away. But um, a friend of mine that grew up with uh, Sergio, who he's the bass player for the Deftones. Um, and we were just talking about music and what we were listening to. And lately I've been listening to a lot of uh, Herman Catano and uh, really ambient, ambient deep house and stuff that isn't really because I play anybody who knows my bands, Burn, Die One Sixteen. It's very kind of aggressive. I, I don't want to even. I don't even know if it's hardcore. I don't know what it, but it's just very aggressive driven music. And uh, but to me, there's always music has to have kind of a depth and a spectrum. And uh, you know, we got into this concept about like because we're talking about percussives, and he got into this thing about about Sheila. He's been listening to a lot, a lot of Sheila E. And stuff like that, and like that era of, let's say, like you know, it's pop music, but it very much influenced house, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and that's kind of like how I approach movement. You know, it's like kind of like I look at people that are doing things differently, and you know, as opposed to the same old approach, because you know, I'm trying to improve my art. You know, um, you know, like I realize what I teach. You know, people like, you know, especially within. There's within the martial arts community, I think Muay Thai especially, and it's become jujitsu too, because you get your guys who are like, oh, well, no gi really isn't jujitsu. And, you know, same thing for like, you know, no gi could be very much compared to like, let's say, glory rules, mm -hmm. kickboxing, because it's not really Muay Thai, you know? And I'm like, okay, but if you really wanted to go back, and look at the you know the true traditions of both of those arts, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. You could find things that were absolutely socially unjust, horrible, horrible factors that were built in the developments of both of those martial arts. So you know when you're talking about these traditions, like oh the honor and the truth and all this stuff. 
this is this is you know i teach i mean i tell people more often now like i teach striking because there's certain things with within the muay thai community which i do i love muay thai but there's certain things that i can't i can't cotton to you know and i find that it it, it tends to get a little bit people are like oh well i only like traditional muay thai and i'm like well i just i like athletics you know and I'm not a person to watch a lot of sports. I'm a person I pay attention to coaches. You know, I watch what coaches are doing, you know, with with striking, you know, I'm very I'm very much into like how Kieran Fitzgibbons at CSA runs his program. Um like Vic at uh the Muay Thai Institute in Venice, California, uh Prima Bellarosa from uh from Vision Quest who just moved his whole operation up to Maine. Um, these are coaches that I tend to to watch because I think that they're they're valid. Um, Dave Wymoy from Kings Combat in Queens, I think, is fucking astounding. He runs an amazing kids program. Its development is just otherworldly, and there has to be the outside of you know. And we're not we're not talking like he's not running it like you would run a Thai camp in Thailand, you right. know. These are kids that are in school. These are kids that are from a different socioeconomic background. So when someone from America comes and talks to me about like, well, you know, we teach real Muay Thai. I'm going to ask him like, well, how many people sleep, sleep under your ring? You know, if you teach real Muay Thai, how many kids do you have sleeping in your gym at night when that gym closes? That's what I want to know because it's a totally different socioeconomic background. Um, so, you know, and I'm not, I, I'm not trying to, de- I'm not de- trying to degrade Muay Thai at all but again we have a very very twisted westernized vision our vision of what we want it to be as opposed to what it truly is um it's skill-based play and i think that's what keeps it we keep it vibrant for our western culture that does not rely upon having one of our children go to a school to train to fight to be able to send money home, which that's a different socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where we have the luxury of this being play. It's a luxury, you know. In Thailand, kids, you know, kids are fighting professionally at six years old. Yes, they are. I think it's a little dicey, you know. I think that's a little dicey, and I think it's really sad that they, they don't have other opportunities. I think... Uh, I think that professional soccer has opened up a lot more opportunities for Thai kids. You know, and you've seen a, a drop off of kids that have wanted to become professional fighters, you know. Um, hence, they're pulling in a lot of fighters from like Cambodia, Vietnam, so on and so forth. And, and, and Western fighters. There's tons of people going over there to, to bucket list fights at Bangor Stadium, you know. And then just thinking about that and kind of the evolution of MMA here mm-hmm. and, and sports here, thinking about that. Um, John Jones came into my head because he has, I think a, a brother or something mm-hmm. like he could have, I think he has a brother that was in the co- NFL. Or I think something. he has a couple brothers that were in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And so he's kind of represents this athlete in this sport that now there's a lot of questions about, what that sport is doing to people um, with CTE and stuff like that because yeah. of the helmets yeah. and John Jones. And, but football was like a sport that a lot of kids, you know, used to like get out. That was like one of the mm-hmm. things back in the day. And 
Yeah, but now you have somebody like John Jones, who's this athlete who could have done any sport. Any sport, yeah. And so you have like the super athletes now getting into yeah martial arts into here, martial but it's arts. a different... Well, I mean, MMA now has opened up like... I mean, when you were a high-level collegiate wrestler, there was that was you know you could do the Olympics and maybe get a little bit of money, but this the MMA has made the capability for kids who are you know Division One wrestlers to have an actual career in combat sports, um, and I think that's great. I think we need to handle the goods a lot more cautiously because, like you said, things like CTE. Um, you know, and I always like to use, and this is an Alan Roberts quote, take me to your elders, you know, when you're talking about people, you know, like, and he, he had taken this on the, like, you know, the fit, the, the, uh, the, the fit at any size kind of concept. Okay. Take me to your elders. Take me to the people that have not had heart attacks and, you know, have not had like heart disease, so on and so forth. Um, and it's, we're finding things now with football where, yeah, the CTEs are really, really, it's scary. And um, if that sport, if if striking arts, I mean, not just MMA, but if striking arts are going to be sustainable, we have to govern as coaches. We need to really, really respect our athletes better and not treat them like they're fucking pit dogs, you know? And that's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, and you know, go, go about it with a lot more compassion for our athletes and, you know, think about the long, the long term. I mean, it got, it, I think it's weird. Like the, the weight cut issue is another thing that, yeah. um, where I've seen over, you know, let's say the, the 25 to 30 years I've been in this where, especially with female athletes driving their weight down. Mm-hmm. So, below where they should actually be because women do need to carry a fat pad it's part of it's it's part of their system and it's how they work and staying so long below that level to where your thyroid just goes into rebellion and all sorts of just you know havoc and havoc just yeah and you know it it, it just it's asking for all cause mortality i.e death um and also, do we want to end up bringing more people into an already taxed industrial medical system, mm-hmm. you know, which is all, you know, like all we do now is throw pills at shit. Yeah. You know, you know here I am in my tinfoil hat up on my soapbox. I know. I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, and it, it's, it's about longevity. It's and that's about, actually, you know, speaking of that, like that's one thing I haven't, I saw the article break. But apparently, like, the NFL is going to stop suspending people for marijuana, which is just, like, thank God. Because, you know, like, not saying, like, everything has its pros and cons. But marijuana, like, has, like, as far as mortality and, Put it on a scale next to alcohol. To anything. They they don't, they don't, I don't know how many guys probably show up fucking shit-faced hammered and and hung over for fucking practices, Mm -hmm. which... If you think about that, what alcohol does, dehydrate the, you know, when you have that headache, it's because you ain't got enough fluid in your fucking skull to keep your brain insulated. And you're going to go in there and bang that shit. And, and this is coming from someone who's gone into hard sparring with a hangover. You know? yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, who was so hungover, I couldn't keep my hands up. Yeah. It took a lot of headshots. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm glad for that. Yeah, 
But yeah, the whole, <laughs> we can go on a whole tangent on the whole medical mess. Well, the medical, the medical mess, and we could go back into the whole thing with the, like how Rockefeller's lobbied against it and da-da-da-da-da, and it's, you know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. I mean, it's, we... We have everything on this planet that we need to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But there's factors that come into play where people feel, and it's from a scarcity mindset of, yeah. like, oh, they have to, I have to have more, and I have to, you know, the generations of my, you know, the, the generations of my children's children have to be taken care of. Well, first off, I mean, I'm going to piss some people off now. It's like, can we stop breeding for a little bit? You know, there, we, yeah. we had so many spare kids, so yeah. many. And this is coming from someone who was an orphan. We had so many spare kids, you well, know. That's do, me and my wife have had that conversation. And like, basically, we're, as of now, not planning to have kids. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But basically, she's a couple years younger than me. So she still has biological time. But the question we had a few, like around the time we got married, actually, mm-hmm. was well, what if we waited too long and regret it? And it's just exactly that. Like her family, her parents are together. Mine divorced. Like I have blended family and stuff like that. And my blended family is my family. Like Mm -hmm. I don't say that I came from a broken home. Like my home is very, I have two sets of parents. They all Mm -hmm. love me. And just like you said, there's a lot of kids that need parents. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't personally, I can't imagine like loving a kid less because they're not my biological kid. kid. Yeah. And you know, and I think it's really important. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Well, on it's that. this whole, this whole, uh, you know, Oh, what about my bloodline and da da da. It's come on. We have been around, we have been around the length of a fucking brontosaurus fart. Yeah. When it comes to human history, your bloodline, uh, <laughs> Your bloodline doesn't really mean anything. Know what means something? The positive effect you have on someone else for the short fucking time you're here. Yeah. That's what, you know, um, you know, Dan Savage said it best. There's your biological family and then there's your logical family. You know, I was, you know, personally I was raised by wolves and drag queens. So it's kind of, you know, um, I don't, yeah, that, that whole idea and, you know, people, oh, don't you want to have like a little Gavin? And I have a son. I have a son who's awesome. He's fucking so incredible. And he is so not anything like me. I All of his quirks and his individuality and the things about him that, are, I mean, he's just such a fucking incredible human being. And I know, oh, you have a kid. Yeah, but I'm not out breeding like oh i need to have a whole football team of children that look and sound just like me you know and he's he's an he was an amazing fucking accident you know he's an amazing fucking accident you know just you know it's like i i am absolutely and i'm glad he's nothing like me he's in my opinion such a fucking better person than i am you know such a better person. I learned so much every time I talk to him. I learned so much. And uh, it's, you know, I'm glad about that. But I just don't think, you know, it's like we have this thing about, like, you know, yeah, oh, well, you know, 
you know, I, I hear people's parents being like, oh, well, I want to be a grandparent. Go, go adopt a grandkid. <laughs> go adopt a grandkid, you know? It's, it's you know, and I, I, I love kids, and I, I joke about it, like, you know, on flights. Nobody likes children on flights. But it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, there's always a representative from the local Screaming Babies Union on every flight that I'm, like, on. But, you know, I had, uh, I, when I was closing up the, ki- the gym yesterday, this kid come in, I'm 13 years old from the Sumner Projects. And this kid was just, I mean, he came in and that look. That kid walks into a martial arts school and he sees like the bags and everything. And that look of love, he was like, and I I remember, and he's he's like, you know, my name is this, but you call me Romeo. And I'm like, yes, I can. All right. And we sat there, we talked about like neighborhood hip hop, like for like 45 minutes while I was cleaning up the gym. And I'm really hoping he shoots me an email because I want to get him into our kids program, you know? And it's like, you know, it's just, you know, I, I see a kid like that and I see where I was at that age. And it's like, you know, the opportunities that I wish I had. And I think if people have, have the ability to give kids, you know, a good home with two loving parents with strong incomes, which is why gay marriage makes the most sense in the fucking world. <laughs> You know, it's like you've got two productive parents with good incomes and, you know, it's like, you know, and it's just, you know, and, you know, who could adopt? Yeah. You know, and I know that people go out and they get surrogates and stuff like that. It's that's their thing. But it's like, you know, I just think there there's good homes and there's good kids out there that need good homes, you know, and you could change somebody's life in that manner. You know, it's uh, that's my rant. <laughs> that's my rant. Um, but, you know, if that's the thing, too, is like I'm trying to like, you know, the neighborhood that we're in with Bushwick, we've got and you see these kids are, you know, they're playing in the streets. And, you know, I, I see kids and I'm just kind of like, oh, God, I would love to get that kid into the program and like, you know, just have a place for him to express himself, you know, and uh you know, because I think martial arts, I, oh, God, I wish, I wish I could have. I didn't start Muay Thai until I was like 21 years old. Um, I wish I could have started at, you know, I see like Maliki who trains at our gym. He's like 13 and his little brother Kelty. Like, and they're so good, you know, and like, you know, like Ashton and this kid Ali, they, like the kids in our kids program. And I watch them, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. It's like just watching them grow in it every week. It's like so amazing. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's something that it's, it's something with what little I have. It's something positive that I could, you know, bestow to somebody that would improve their life if they really came in and like, kind of like, you know, went, you know, ankle deep head first into the Kool-Aid <laughs> You know, because you got it. You got to fall in love with it. You got to fall in love with it. And that's the thing. If if you do that, really great things can happen, um, providing that you have good coaching. It's funny also because just thinking about what martial arts does, but for people that don't train them, like because I've sat here and sat right here and talked to people sometimes who are talking about uh, – their anger management. Like mm-hmm. it was a woman I was interviewing one time. We we're talking about yoga and stuff like that. And I'm like, have you ever tried martial arts? And she didn't, her hesitance about it was like, 
the violence of it. But in my experience, at least my experience, mm-hmm. I feel like it's prevented a lot of violence yeah. in my life. Yeah. Um, because Not to say that, you know, the training is what it is. It's a martial art. But as far as in my day to day, learning how to kind of stay calm and like be assertive, but not escalate Late. situations yeah. um, and to the point where when things are kind of happening, you know, there's, there's always things and you got to be careful in this yeah. world, but usually my experience observing and working in bars and stuff like that is like the people that really are overly aggressive usually are not trained martial arts. No. There's a point now yeah. sometimes where certain people are trained yeah. and get pushed to a point and yeah. then snap. But uh, usually, yeah, like people who are trained, cause it's humbling. Like mm-hmm. you learn yeah. that like uh, Marshawn Lynch from the Seattle Seahawks, he said it. Um, he's like, you know, anybody can get got. Yeah. So it's not that like, oh, you learn martial arts and you're going to be able to beat up everybody. That's just not the case. Other people know things too. And also, yeah, there are people bigger and stronger than you. They might not know anything and there's always that lucky punch. Yeah. Training though. A broken clock is right twice a day. Yep. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but it keeps you humble, but it gives you confidence. And Yeah. yeah, I just think it makes me less aggressive in my day to day life. No, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things. And it's like, and for some people, know what? Yoga's yoga's enough. Yeah. Yoga's yeah. enough of a challenge. Lord knows, dude, me sitting 30 seconds in downward facing dog is a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, and every, but that's their play. Mm-hmm. And I, I respect that. You know, everyone has their, has that, you know, which is their play. And yoga is a form of movement. It's funny because there's a lot of martial arts coaches that I know talk about, like, oh, yoga is bullshit and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I can't, I can't really shit talk anything about, you know. No, I mean breathing. About any kind of movement. Like. Um, Flexibility. I remember being at this one conference one time and someone taught, we were around a bunch of like, they're coaches, like coaches who work with martial artists and work with track athletes. And, like, and one of the guys who was heading it up said, you know, I'm going to bring up a name to you, Richard Simmons. And people were, you know, and of course, there's a snicker. And we, there's, there's 20 people in that room. I remember sitting, I'm sitting in that room. I'm sitting next to Larry Betts, who's the owner of Brooklyn Athletic Club, who's a fucking amazing coach. And Larry just looked and knew exactly where he was going with it. He goes, he goes you know, he goes, there's like 30 people in this room. And probably I say the least amount of experience is 10 years. And Richard Simmons has lost more weight with his people than everybody in this room combined, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me to like, you know, I can't be, Oh, fucking yoga. Or, you know, someone's like, Oh, well, you know, I do Jeet Kune Do. It's your play. That's great. You know, we have people come in all the time. They come from other martial arts gyms. And it's so funny because like, I know I have to unlearn everything. I'm like, well, no, you got some good tools. Let's see what tools, what tools we can modify and let's make those better. And, you know, don't, it's, it's, you know, the human, there he goes back up on his soapbox. Um, the human body works in certain movement patterns most optimally. Throwing, throwing a right cross isn't much different than swinging a tennis racket um, or swinging a golf club. And quite honestly, it's 
the it's the most optimal movement of propulsion that we use to be able to generate power and everything basically breaks down to our gait pattern how we walk how we run how we crawl those are our formative patterns and that is where striking comes from so it's like for me to say oh well you know that jeet kune do oh that's bullshit i've never studied jeet kune do so i really don't know but i do know that the human joint system aligns in a certain way and we generate force through a certain through through a certain protocol so there has to be similarities that fall into you know like for the longest time i mean i remember when i started with started doing muay thai oh you can't do boxing it's totally different than muay thai now you look at like you look at coaches like karen fitzgibbons who they use boxing fuck man his the fausto sisters fuck they're fucking brutal gaston all of the people that train with him i mean it's just amazing their boxing repertoire their vo- boxing vernacular is so just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there isn't anything like, and you'll hear it a lot too. Oh well, reverse spinning stuff is bullshit. It's funny because you go through highlight reels on you see guys that like knock people out with it on a regular basis. You go back in the days to K one where Andy Hoog was taking people's heads off with an axe kick. You know. It all works. It just depends how you apply it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, that's why I've started more and more calling what I do. I teach striking. I like that. I like that. It makes it a lot less alienating. It doesn't. Okay, maybe it's not as sexy as like I teach Muay Thai. But, you know, I'm, I'm in the business of getting people to move joyously and have fun with it and learn something that makes them happy amongst people that make them happy. You know, I'm not like, I'm not trying to hold it's I'm iconoclastic by nature. I'm not trying to hold any kind of traditions. That's not who I am. You know, I value those things, you know, will I sit there and be like, Oh, diesel noise. No diesel noise. is fucking amazing. You know, Kong Nepal was amazing. Like you, you look at like guys, you know, and this two totally different era fighters. You know, Kong Nepal and Diesel Noy. Diesel Noy was way back in the seventies. You know, um, and Kong Nepal was, was, you know, nine nineties two thousand. Um, but these are guys who are fucking. They're relevant. You know, they're important in the in what Muay Thai became. Just as much as let's say Ivan Hippolyte from Holland or Danny Bill from France or um, you know Howard and Ed, Edge Brown from Manchester, England, these guys important people in in what made me want to do this. Um, so I can't, you know, it's like you know that's 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 where you know that's where kind of like my love lies with striking, and people get very much into the whole idea of like. Again, here I'm not bashing traditional Muay Thai, but let's look at let's look at some of the best. Oh, Mastatati, Mastatati, who's probably the pinnacle of like you want to talk celebrity Muay Thai coaches. You know, Mastatati is you know he's trained how many champions? Was a six degree black belt in Taekwondo. You know, mm-hmm. same with Master Scan who trains Sandy Holt, Phil Nurse, all those guys. Phil Nurse has an amazing repertoire of flash stuff. Amazing repertoire. He's an amazing athlete, you know? 
And that's what I think is beautiful when you can get someone to express that kind of athleticism, you know, beyond what you want to call it and what kind of shorts you want to throw on a motherfucker, you know? Where do you think of um, Bruce Lee and all of this? Because he was, was, some people think... The first MMA athlete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you could say that, but uh, I mean, Gene Dunn, you know... Gene Dunn will will say that he was the first, which is possibly very true. You know, Gene Dunn was doing uh, was doing mixed mixed you know mixed fights way way back, and but he's also a contemporary of Bruce Lee's, as was Ron Van Cleef, Chuck Norris. All of those guys were experimental. You know, Doc Williams. Uh, that was my one beef in. Uh... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the depiction of Bruce Lee in that movie. Oh, they made him seem like such a prick. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, that, being from Seattle, he's yeah. buried in Seattle too. Yeah. And like, I was just like, that's not what I know. And I did train Kung Fu back in the day, so I know people yeah. that knew him, and it's like... I would like to know what Dan Inosanto has to say about that, because Dan, Dan was a direct, direct lineage. You know, him, Ron Van Cleef, also trained with Bruce Lee. Chuck Norris, I want to know what their opinions were. Because, yeah, I think, I kind of think that Tarantino is just trying to rib some motherfuckers because that's what he does. Yeah. He loves controversy like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, he was, he said one of the most, I think, valid points in martial arts of, you know, take what works for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And throw the rest away, you know, because everyone is different. Everyone is different, you know. There's not one, you know, if you take, like, say, myself and you take, like, a friend of mine, Gaius Ebrat, who's a pro fighter, retired pro fighter, he's six foot, six foot four, you know, we we work totally different, you know. It's, it's a total, you know, he has things that work for him that don't work for me. And that's what I think is one of the most important things. You can't cookie cutter someone's someone's physical experience like that. Yeah. You know, certain people are going to be able to do certain things. Others aren't. But everyone is capable of doing Muay Thai. Everyone is capable of doing jujitsu. You know, I trained my, my jujitsu sensei, Josh Griffiths, is six foot three, 175 pounds, lanky, thin, mobile. He's, he's my sensei. You know, because I don't learn to work like him, but I learn to work against guys that work like him. You know, that's what I learn. You know, I've learned my jujitsu, what works for me, and I'm a big, deep, deep half guy, um, is because of working guys like that and understanding like how, okay, how do, how do I, how do I optimize my body on a long limb, you know? And it's, you know, the idea of, you know, chestnut checkers. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, Bruce Lee, uh, definitely, definitely, you know, that uh, all of those guys and let, let's talk American golden era martial arts of, you know, Bill Wallace, Chuck Norris, uh, Gene Dunn. I, I know there's some, there's some guys that I'm overlooking, you know, Bruce Lee, of course, but yeah, I mean, that, that was, I mean, oh God, Muhammad Ali did a fight against a Japanese wrestler I mean, the whole idea, it was probably one of the most boring fights, I think, on the planet. But uh, the whole idea of that has been, they've been formulating and stewing that down for a long time. I mean, I remember when I first started training Muay Thai, um, 
when I was training with Edge Brown, we were training at a senior, the basement of a senior center on 12th Street, uh, Julio Rivera's boxing gym. And there was this guy who used to come in who was just, just, you could tell he was Russian. Just very quiet. Very quiet. Would come in and just work kicks on the bag. And I went over and I asked, you know, Julio, what's, what's up with that guy? Because he was just quiet, but just very Russian. And he goes, oh, Igor. Igor, uh, does Sambo, which I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Turns out, the guy's Igor Zenovia, you know. Also turns out, the nicest guy on the planet. Beautiful human being, really. I mean, I'd seen him there, and I'd seen him at 10th Street Bathhouse. Um, he worked there as a massage therapist. Um, but yeah, he was, you know, he was the first, from me being a Muay Thai guy, the first thing, because the whole mixed martial arts thing had been happening but wasn't i don't think it was on i didn't know about it and i come from an underground you know, underground you know background um but yeah they had been doing it and then they you know they did the the first ufc happened and it was huge kind of but it wasn't marketed well and it was kind of i mean if you look at it now now, now it's it's its own it's its own style and entity now um, I mean, I've seen guys who had really, really good jujitsu and started studying, started studying Muay Thai and within like a year and a half developed their Muay Thai to were really good and like, well, I'm going to go to an MMA gym and then they go there and now they're, they're they've got great jujitsu and great Muay Thai, but they're going up against guys who have been doing nothing but MMA since they were 10 years old. So it's like, you know. Well, I've studied, you know, I've studied both Spanish and French. And the next thing you know, you're shipped off to Norway. <laughs> it's like you don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's become its own. It's become its own thing. And I've dabbled in a lot. I used to go to train with the guys at Gracie's, um, like, you know, Joe and all those guys. And it was, I had a, it was funny because was, that was before I started doing jujitsu. And, uh. I would do great stand-up, but the second I hit the floor, it was just like, what the fuck is this? And these guys are just, you know, and they were good. They were just like, they would submit me so fucking quickly. And it was like, just the the concept of ground and pound was beyond me. I had no idea. You know, it was like, I am a punching bag on the floor. This guy, this guy knows something I definitely do not. And I learned a little bit from it and it was kind of cool. But that was around the time that I kind of retired from fighting. Um... You know, and I dabbled the idea. Oh, I want to do an MMA fight, but then it was like there was there just the lights came on. I was like going with these guys at that point. I was in, in my th- in my late thirties, and I was like, these guys are all really young, and they're really fucking just. They were like these were, these guys were like college wrestlers that had started doing this and started training jujitsu with Jan Don, Dan, John Danaher, and they were around Henzo on a regular basis, and they were around Joe Samperi, and they had all this great striking and all this stuff. And I was just kind of like, oh wow, these guys are just. They're a different animal, you know, and it was like, it was a big, very big eye opener, you know, and at that point, I just also realized I just really loved coaching. I love coaching on any level. I love, I love just general population strength and conditioning stuff, like getting someone to fall in love with just moving again and getting strong and getting their muscles activated and you know seeing like someone that comes in with what's you know what we would call a young training age someone who's never done resistance training and seeing within that first six months of like the progression of how they physically change and they carry themselves different 
how they start to modify their life to fit how their body works now. And that's what it kind of does. That's one of the reasons that like, I think martial arts works so well. It's taking point. Like one of our coaches, coach Mike Pinero, who, when I first met him as a white belt, he was like 360 pounds. He's heavy. And mm-hmm. he's, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm five foot nine and a half with the wind at my back. And he's shorter than I am. He's strong as fuck. But he's, yeah, like half that now, you know? And jujitsu basically changed and saved his life. Yeah. But everything from being a white belt, everything he started to do, like he modified his sleep, made sure his sleep was good, modified, I need to eat better so I have better energy levels so I can train more, you know? And that's kind of what it does is that the body regulates you know, like you need you need to drink more water. You need to eat better food. You know, I'm probably we talked about it a little bit, but I'm probably gonna invest in a whoop or something pretty soon, just to oh, what's to the, work on the the the, the wristband thing. Um, I get to that. Work on um, recovery. My opinion is that the chest strap is a better is a better bang for the buck because you can it won't interfere with the wraps. You can get an app for it, and plus the uh, like, say like the Polar, the Wahoo, or uh, there's a couple other brands. Polar is kind of the industry standard, in my opinion, on heart rate monitors. Is that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And understanding what your heart is doing, let's face it, that's the that's 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 the carb, that's the engine, you know, that's it, it moves our blood around and helps filter everything through the body, you know, gets the blood moving to where if the heart is working correctly, everything else will kind of fall in line and understanding like, you know, how to, how your heart works is really big. Um, and there's some great apps for it. Um, and then you get into the concept of understanding heart rate variability, which I'm not going to go into on this cause that's a long, it's not long and drawn out, but if you want to, you want to find out about that, come by the gym and we'll talk about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that like, you know, waking up at a lower heart rate and getting it so that, you know, you systematically, you, your sleep levels improve, everything improves overall. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things that exercise can do for you. Movement in general. Um, you know, they talk about, and I told somebody, I was like, you know, they, they came to the gym and they lost in like six months. They went from like, I think it was like 280 pounds to about they were down to like uh two fifteen, and I was honest with him. I said, "Listen, man, I said you could have pretty much because you're young training age, you, your body would have reacted to this no matter what, you know, providing that your diet and your sleep habits were, you know, because they did the right thing to make sure that they're getting enough sleep." And everyone, in my opinion, on this, everyone's different. You know, oh, you have to have this. I operate well on six hours of sleep a day. You know, I'm you know I know guys who go on less than that. I know people that need more than that. Um, everybody, I, I feel, different. yeah, that's where I'm interested. I'm very interested in learning about the sleep. Yeah. Cause I feel like there are days that I need more, mm-hmm. but then a lot of times I'm fine on yeah. definitely less than eight, like maybe six or seven. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I find that my sleep ritual really dictates a lot. Like what I do before I go to sleep if I'm fucking on my phone and my computer yeah. and watching TV, then my sleep is crappy. Mm-hmm. If I put everything off at like, you know, an hour before, I'm way better. I sleep, I wake up a lot more joyous, a lot more just like, okay, good. Yeah, I can get after this. Because I'm up usually every day, 5.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30. You know, got to 
go empty the dog and then, you know, I teach 7 a.m. classes and then I'll have clients afterwards or I have, you know, gym stuff to do or, you know. But yeah, I find that if I, it's not so much if I get X amount of sleep, but it's like the quality of sleep is really important. Yeah. He says yawning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's the best place for people to follow you, follow PCC? Mm, That would be the Instagram, which is Physical Culture Collective at Instagram. Um, We do not have a Twitter account. Uh, I don't find Twitter to be valid for what we do. Um, it just isn't. We are. We have the Physical Culture Collective Facebook account. You can reach us at physicalculturecollective at gmail.com. Um, you can just come by the gym, which is at 857 Broadway, second floor, right upstairs from Brooklyn Made Motorcycles. Um, yeah, if you want to come by, just shoot me an email. Um you want to come by check out the facility or even if you want to let me know if you want to come in for an intro class um because we like if, if you're if you're coming in for an intro class you have no experience with martial arts it's perfectly fine because the intro class is basically just to get you able to speak the language and then what we'll do is basically we give people a trial week in which they can come to the classes the intro class is just so they can get the vernacular down and understand some of the basic concepts and movements um and then basically we let you run amok for a week um so to speak do everything without with the exception of the competitors classes because we don't like i said the only place for safety is third is burning man um we want everybody to be have a good experience be safe not get hurt so the open level classes and fundamentals classes are key for that you know um yeah and uh, you know anybody who's heard anything if you have any questions shoot me an email you know I know I probably said some things that someone's going to disagree with. I'm good with that. You know, we're not all meant to agree on everything, you know, and we can have an argument and still be sustainably friends, <laughs> you know? Um, well, thank you for sitting down, talking thank with me. Thank you for me. having me, man. I've been enjoying my training at your gym thank very you. much. Thank you very much. Um, you know. Chris was the one who invited me over there yeah. first. Um, and yeah, it's just been a great part of my practice and try to make it at least three. Um, yeah, you're a regular. You're yeah. A regular. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, you're always, you're always in the noon class, the, the class for the questionably employed. <laughs> <laughs> or the bartenders. The bar- yeah, well, that's it. I was like, oh, there you yeah. go. bartenders, freelancers, or, uh, you know, fitness professionals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or say? Before? Um, yeah. If you're listening to this and you're not in the vicinity of, Bush, wonderful, wonderful downtown Bushwick, Brooklyn. And this interests you? Shoot me an email. Anyways, let's find something near you. I got tons of friends that own tons of awesome facilities. And even if they're not my friends and I don't know them, then I love setting up repertoire with other gyms as referrals because we have plenty of people who travel. And I love having gyms in London, in Los Angeles, in like Chicago, like places that I know, like, oh yeah, you got to go by this guy's spot. Really cool. Tell him that you train with us, so on and so forth, you know, and that makes it good and it expands your life. You get to meet other people, you know, but yeah, if you're hearing this and you're just, you know, you're, you're sitting in Norman, Oklahoma, let's find you a fucking gym or find you someplace, a group, find you your, find you your herd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and do you have any final words of wisdom or parting just like thoughts or whatever for the, yeah, be, for the con- be kind to yourself. 
That's it. Be kind to yourself. You know, allow yourself this. Give this to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You heard it right here, folks, from Gavin Von Black. Be kind to yourself. That's really what it comes down to. And as far as travel, we'll be traveling again. But also, if you are in Oklahoma or if you are somewhere where, I'm not saying Oklahoma doesn't have any great gems, I'm sure they do. But if you are listening to this somewhere and you want to learn some great insights about martial arts and start a training program, the online program that Physical Culture Collective is offering right now um, is really cool too. So check that out. Check them out. Support it. The links are in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're being kind to yourself. I hope you're being patient with yourself. Um, I'm hoping that for you as well as for me. I'm saying that to you as much as I am to me. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Please reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Um, I'm here. I'm around. You know, I have a lot of time on my hands these days. Uh, Anyway, take care. Be creative. Keep moving forward. Peace. We're gonna set you free.